Hello and welcome to the Storytelling Brain, part of the How to Work with Humans series from Threshold, here with me, Nikki. And I'm really pleased to have Simon Brooke with me today. And Simon is a journalist, author and storytelling expert here at Threshold. Hello, Simon. Hello. How are you doing? Very well, thanks. How are you? I'm very good. Now, I've said that you're here with me today. Of course, we're still in lockdown, so unfortunately, I'm not actually physically with you, even though I'd love to be physically with you. But we're obviously doing this virtually as is the world absolutely now. well next time hopefully oh, we'll be next together. time that would be amazing anyway so storytelling the reason that i wanted to chat with you today because i know it's a real passion of yours but it's increasingly being used in the corporate world and certainly here at threshold we do a lot of storytelling workshops but why, why is that then well i think people realize that um if you just tell people facts it doesn't resonate so well uh, with your audience. Whereas if you're telling the story, um, you're more likely to grab their attention, to hold that attention, to really give them something to think about, you know, to, to connect with them in a way that just, as I say, telling people facts doesn't work, doesn't do so well. Um, you know, they always say that facts tell and stories sell. So I think the point is we all know what a good story is, don't we? Because mm. we've, we've seen them, read them and we've told them. And so that's why I think it's, um, it really connects with audiences. So it's about taking a business message and bringing it to life using some of the, the things that you obviously know about from, from story. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, I think it's interesting that um, everybody tells stories, as I say, that historians and anthropologists have never found a civilization that doesn't tell stories. You know, it's, it's what we do. And I was interested to read some recent research from Liverpool University where they calculated, uh, researchers calculated that about two thirds of our conversations are storytelling. Mm. So given that it's what we do, given that uh, it's a natural human thing to do, that's why I think businesses are really understanding now that it's an important part of business communication. It's funny, isn't it? Because you've said that Obviously, we do it naturally, yet I'm sure you found this when you work with people on workshops um, in corporate world. They'll obviously get quite fearful when you say, you know, let's, let's, let's discuss storytelling, how you can bring your business message. And I go, oh, no, I don't do story. Exactly. Yet, yet, as you said, it is what we, we naturally do. Yeah. Why do you think it is that people get so sort of fearful of it well, I think in work? Yeah, in work, exactly. Yes. That's the point, I think, isn't it? As I say, it's the fact that... We do it all the time with family and friends, uh, you know, f- family over the dinner table, flatmates or wherever, might be friends in the pub or the coffee shop. Well, um, let's hope we'll oh, be getting, getting back world. to doing that soon, yes. exactly. But oh, perhaps on Zoom these days mm. or something. So I think perhaps sometimes people fear that it's what the, the non-work persona part of them does, mm. that it's the relaxed, human, honest aspect of their personality that does it that therefore they feel sort of slightly embarrassed almost about doing it at work because they will come across as perhaps informal or lacking some authority in some way and yet of course we know that all the best business leaders all the most successful leaders of organizations the people that really inspire loyalty they're all great storytellers aren't they Mm. they just do it naturally absolutely and as you say when it is done properly what what effect does that have then on the brain you know what what literally does it do in neurological terms well uh, psychologists have stuck electrodes onto people's brains and then told them stories so there is yeah exactly there's some interesting science Mm. here 
Um, if I tell you something, give you some facts, then it's likely that uh, your auditory cortex will light up as you listen mm-hmm. to that. But what psychologists have discovered is that if we tell stories, if we have some emotional engagement, that will also activate areas called the frontal and parietal cortices. Um, you might have sort of food or smells or senses like that. That fires up your sensory cortex. If you've got a, a description of motion or some kind of action, that will get what's known as the central sulcus going. And then there's also part of the temporal lobe that deals with memory storage and processes hearing sounds that gets going as well. And then very importantly, because all storytelling is about people, isn't mm-hmm. it? Um, if you mention people, human beings in a story, that releases oxytocin, which is that uh, the feel-good hormone. And it mm-hmm. also fires up the part of the brain called the fusiform gyrus, which is the, the part of the brain that's particularly focused on human faces. So... Um, what's interesting as well is that having fired all this stuff up around the brain, scientists then discovered that that, this activity can last for days afterwards. So that's why exactly a really good story can stay with us and we'll remember it. And I think we probably all know those famous words from Maya Angelou, don't we? That people will uh, forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. So it's interesting Mm. now that psychology backs that up. Absolutely. So you can see why it's so crucial in the corporate world with how many presentations, how many Zoom conversations. Yeah, and it's that that presentation, that Zoom Mm. conversation with a really powerful story. That's the one we're going to remember, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And so you just mentioned, obviously, that wonderful thing about people forget what you said, people forget what you did. But so it obviously works with the empathy and that connection too. Yeah, absolutely. So exactly, as we know, empathy is one of the building blocks of good communication, isn't it? We need to build that bridge of understanding of communication. And I was interested to read some research by uh, researchers at Drexel University in Philadelphia who found that, again, when they put electrodes on the, the speaker and the listener's brains, mm. they discovered apparently an exhibit, sorry, that the two exhibited joint temporally coupled response patterns which in English exactly what does that mean (laughs) Uh, in English basically means that the listener's brain responses mirror the speaker's brain responses so again there is proof that you do get that connection that empathy wow that's fascinating I know we we talk about it a lot in the workshops about being prepared to reveal yourself yeah tell something of yourself yeah it makes a huge difference doesn't it so yeah Let's go real to the basics then. What do good stories need? You know, what are the raw ingredients? Yeah, so again, it's one of those things we all know this because we all know a good story, don't we? But um, just to sort of yeah, analyse it, as you say, I mean, a story needs a, a protagonist and an antagonist. It needs a sort of a good person and, a, and somebody that they're up against. So that mm. could be Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. It might be Harry Potter and Voldemort or whatever, Sherlock Holmes and... Dr. Moriarty, we've all seen it. Now, yes. I think a lot of people in the corporate sphere were thinking, hmm, so who should play the baddie in my story? <laughs> which uh, which uh, probably could be a little bit sensitive. But I suppose, again, in the corporate sphere, if we're talking about the antagonist, we're probably talking about the thing that you're challenging. So could that be traditional ways of working which need to evolve? Um, could that be a change in the market which you're which could be a threat to you, which you're going to have to overcome? So mm. it's been very clear on who is who are protagonists, who our heroes are, if you like, and then be very clear on the challenge they face, who or what they're up against. I see. Okay, so could you boil it down then? 
to a particular structure. So if, you know, for people listening, they're thinking, okay, I'm going to start to use story in my business message. Is there a way that they could, you know, just simplify and put a structure in place? Yeah, absolutely. Well, if you'll indulge me to do the story nerd oh, thing, okay. which, which I know you am. So this is, uh, this is the director's cut, so to speak. All right, go for so it. So very often, if you think of a film you've seen or a, a really great novel you've read recently, you'll have the ordinary world. So we meet our characters, things are going nicely, we get a sense of where they live before we get some change or something. And then we get the call to adventure. Something happens um, that means they're going to have to get out of this ordinary world and do something different, something new. Mm-hmm. Very often we might see a refusal of the call. It, it adds, ratchets it up the tension, the excitement a bit if they say, not so sure if I want to do this. Mm-hmm. We might then have a mentor or somebody's encouraging us. Again, you probably seen this in good fiction, somebody who's been here before, who's a bit sort of world-weary perhaps, but again, connects with our protagonist, our heroine, hero, whatever, and leads them into the adventure, um, encourages them to do it. Then at some point, we need a, mig- a midpoint halfway through, and this is where the, the, uh, there's a slight change of gear, if you like, uh, and that means that we've crossed the threshold, we've taken a risk, there's no way back now. So perhaps in the corporate world, that means that we're now so bought into this change program that we cannot go back uh, whatever the risks are so we, we have to cross that bridge if you like and then of course we need to encounter encounter challenges uh obstacles problems because that what's that's what makes life exciting doesn't it yes. whether you're jason Bourne or emma woodhouse uh, you will face obstacles and you'll you'll face failure and you'll endure uh, you know problems and things ordeals and that makes it exciting as well but you will ov- overcome them. You'll be rewarded. And then as we move towards the close of the story, you'll take possession of the, the elixir, as some storytellers describe it. But eventually you'll sort of return, transformed by the experience. So the adventure's over, things are okay, but you're different. The world is different compared to when mm. you first started. So I can imagine people listening to that go, gosh, that seems quite overwhelming for me to try and do all of that in a business message. So can you break it down even smaller, That was the director's cut, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so we, we call it the, the hero's journey mm-hmm. sometimes. Uh, and basically, again, we have this situation. So an organisation is poodling along, themes all right, uh, seem to be going all right, but that will be boring. We need to throw a pebble in the pond. We need to change things. And as we know, in, in the corporate world, change happens, doesn't it? So mm. this could be a, a change, it could be a problem, uh, something that upsets the equilibrium. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's important to be really clear on this inciting incident, as it's known. What was it? Did we lose a client? Had the market suddenly changed? Did we suddenly realise that um, we'd lost our sense of purpose as an organisation? Were, were teams reporting that they were not as bought in as they were perhaps a year ago? So something upsets the situation. Uh, then we have a call to action that has to be heard. We need to do something about this. And then just in my uh, full version, if you like, we're going to have those obstacles, aren't we? You know, things things might go wrong. We might have budgets cut. We might face challenges by people who are not happy about this. We need to have those um, obstacles that we need to get over. Mm-hmm. But we will get over them. Um, and then we move towards that resolution. Um, and then finally we get the sort of the outcome. So we don't necessarily know where we're going here, but when we set off on this journey, we do have a sense of what it's going to be like at the end. So that is the sort of the hero's journey that that I think business leaders can use when they're thinking about their own story or the story of their teams, their organisations, and, and doing it in a really good storytelling way. Okay, so as I heard it, it's literally 
the here to there, the but, and so. Exactly. So the here to there without a but would be boring, wouldn't it? We just did it so well. And you do see that quite a bit. Exactly. It's the but, the challenges, the obstacles, and how we overcome them and how we felt when we triumphed over them. That's good storytelling. So I was going to ask you what which sections do you think are the most important, but I think you've already started to yeah. mention that about the but. Would that be fair to say? Definitely, absolutely. Yeah, the but is important. So I think a, a really strong opening, um, something that's going to grab people's attention. Mm. You don't have to start at the beginning necessarily. If you think of it, very often good stories, films, books or whatever will start something that is relevant to the story, but is perhaps, well, it's really what it's doing is something surprising, interesting that grabs our attention. Mm. So you can start with that. And then, yes, we need the inciting incident, as I called it. We need that thing that spins us off into the story. And then, as you say, we need the but, the, the obstacles, the challenge. So those, I think, are three things people really need to focus on when they're thinking about their stories. Mm. I don't know quite why that is as well, that often in workshops... And again, I'm sure you've found this, that people will be telling you their business message and they'll be talking, 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 talking. All stuff that obviously they're really passionate about and it's not until right near the end you go, oh, that's, that that's the bit. <laughs> yeah. Put that at, at the front. Yeah. Yeah. What, I wonder what that is to I do. Is that just worry that you're, not, you're missing, if you don't say all of that, that people won't get it, they don't trust that... Could be. It could also be perhaps that in a training workshop people... People have permission to say these things, don't they? And they need to warm up towards them or something. So get it all Again. out. Yes, like, I find if mm. I'm ghostwriting something for somebody, a speech or a, or a report or something, I quite often, or helping them with their, their, their own personal narrative, yeah, mm. you're right, quite often they do what they think, what they would normally say to people, what they think people want to hear, and then it's only when they get really warmed up, yes. suddenly they come to something. And you're absolutely right, as you say, it's that little nugget, that little gem Oh, right, tell me more about that. What happened mm. there? Why do you say that? And actually that, thinking about the strong opening, that could be the opening of the, yes. their story, couldn't it? I guess that's why writers have editors, isn't it? Yeah. Because even brilliant, amazing writers don't know necessarily which is the bits that are going to really yeah. get grab an audience. Yeah, absolutely. And being picking that out, yeah. Yeah. Ah, so other thing that, I, that has always really struck me is when people are delivering a business message, is knowing why they're doing it, why why they're telling that message. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think you need to be really clear on on your audience, who you're talking to, uh, what messages will resonate with them, thinking about putting yourself in their shoes, how do they feel? Mm. Um, And then you need to be also really clear on why why are you doing this? What's your aim? What What is the call to action that you're going to give that audience? You know, do you want them to to change the way they're doing something? Do you want them to um, to sign up for something, to do something, to not do something? Do you mm. want them to, um, to give you information to open up so that you can start thinking about how your team might have to change? But re- to be really clear about why you're doing that and to be very clear in your storytelling at the end of the story. I mean, I've even heard people say, and my message is, so what I'm saying to you is, but mm. just to be really clear on that message and that call to action, what you want them to do. So to feel, think and do. Absolutely. So if, and, if, and if they remember nothing else, what's that one thing you want them to leave the room yeah. remembering or leave the call remembering? Yeah. Who, who would you say is really good at doing that? Is, is there anyone that you've seen that you think, gosh, now that is a really good storyteller? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because um, 
the one I always mention is Steve Jobs in his commencement speech at Stanford University. And I'm slightly embarrassed, to be honest, saying it because it must be nearly 10 years old now. Gosh. But perhaps that tells us something about the fact that people are still struggling with the whole storytelling mm. thing. But it's a wonderful story. It's a wonderful picture painting. He knows his audience. He's talking to young people setting off in life. He tells a wonderful story. It begins by talking about this is the closest I'm ever going to get to a... Uh, a graduation because of course he dropped out of university so he's flattering his audience mm. connecting using them using humour absolutely a bit of humility which mm-hmm. is obviously is not something Steve Jobs was known for but comes across really well in that he does wonderful picture painting he talks about his own time on campus walking across campus every Sunday night to the Harry Krishna Centre for his one mm. good meal of the of the week so that's of, what you mean by paint a picture yeah, so literally Paint that so you can visualise it. Show, don't turn. Yeah. yeah, that really resonates with people. And, mm. you know, also talking about his poverty by showing us that he would pick up Coke bottles and return them for the five-cent deposit or something. So, mm. And he's also very good, like you're saying, about that being clear on the message. You know, he, he says, I'm just going to tell you three stories from my life. No big deal, that's it, three stories. And then he does, and then he brings them together about what he calls joining the dots. So thinking about his young audience setting off in life, he says that you can't see the dots forward, you can't see where you're going to go, but you can only join them backwards. But he talks about this idea of joining the dots, and then he's a really clear call to action about don't waste your time living the life that somebody else wants you. I'm just paraphrasing now. Mm. Living the life somebody else wants you to. There's no time. Live your own life or whatever. So very passionate and very clear. Sounds really inspiring. Very inspiring and a wonderful takeaway. Yeah. Mm. That's, a, that's a lovely example. But a shame, as you said, that we can't think of something more current. I know, there's Ma- the challenge to yes. be the next Steve Jobs. Ma- maybe yeah. people listening are going, oh gosh, yeah. there's, a, there's a wonderful one that, yeah. that I know of. Yeah. And we're certainly not saying to watch the arms here, this is, this is the level you need to be at. But you can certainly be a bit of a magpie and yeah. see the elements that really touch you and think, yeah. how can I put that into my yeah, business he's, message? He's not, what he's doing is, I mean, he's obviously, you know, did brilliant technical things, but this isn't brilliant technical. It's just, you can just really see when you look at it. Yeah, mm. that storytelling, painting pictures, as you say, clear, strong message, thinking about the audience. It's really simple stuff, but he just does it mm. really well. So yeah, absolutely. If anybody's finds there other other examples of that would be great to hear or, you know, put that stuff into practice, mm. try it out, see how it works. Absolutely. And um, what was the other thing I was just thinking then? It was just Oh, yes, the other little thing I was thinking, because obviously you being a writer, you spend a lot of time writing, rewriting it out. And I think that's the other thing, isn't it? Yeah. Is that I think that people often just spend a lot of time on their PowerPoint, but give very little time for actually what they're going to say. And so it is about just enjoy the process of writing down and saying it out loud. Would you say that's important? Absolutely. I mean, I I would... I mean, to be honest, I just say to people, actually, if you can do without PowerPoint, do without PowerPoint. Mm. And I've seen... I'm sure you have as well, Nikki, some great speeches where people have not had any slides at all. They've just told stories, connected with the audience, given a strong takeaway, Mm. and they haven't needed that, that crutch, if you like... But if you, if you have to use PowerPoint, and sometimes we do for facts and figures mm. and stuff, yeah, exactly. Well, it's nice as a backdrop it sometimes, is. isn't it? Yeah, just it to is. make it, just to, I don't know, a point that you've made, just to be yeah. a nice graphic. With images, or graphics, image. yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I would say the thing to do is to write your script, if you like, first, and then do the, the slides. Do you know what I mean? Don't do it the other way around, so you're not a slave to the, the PowerPoint presentation mm. you've created. Think of the words you want to use, and then put together 
your slides uh, as a result of that. Absolutely. Do you just hear those bells, your end? Wasn't that lovely? That's yeah, so church nice. Bells. Nice. Somebody's saying time is up, time is up. <laughs> um, my, my final question to you, I'm sort of putting on the spot here. Are there any books as well that you would recommend to inspire people? Um, yes. I mean, one of the ones I quite like, which is good on stories, and um, there's one called The Storytelling Brain by Will Storr. S-T-O-R-R, which is good, quite, I mean, it is quite sort of, uh, you know, psychological, scientific or whatever, but very interesting on that. The other one is uh, Made to Stick, Why Some Ideas Survive and Others Die, and that's by two brothers, Chip and Dan Heath. And again, they talk about, they have a thing about different types of story, which which we haven't covered here because of time, but, but are quite interesting as well. And then there's another book on the whole business of storytelling called Into the Woods, and I cannot remember the name of the author, I'm afraid, but Into the Woods, if you put it into Amazon or wherever you get your books from, is worth looking at, definitely. Okay, that's lovely. Well, thank you so much, thank you. Simon. It's been really lovely to chat to My you. Pleasure. I know it's a real, real passion of yours. So thank you for sharing your thoughts. Thank you. And I hopefully I'll get to actually see you face-to-face, -face, which will be bizarre but enjoyable. I can't wait, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> so until then, thank you so much. Thank you, my pleasure. And thank you for listening. See you soon.